you know if you want something bad enough like things will start happening for you people will show up in your life right so because of all of this that i was doing i started going to conferences i was listening a lot of podcasts i would just you know spend my vacation more on conferences than on actual vacations and my wife was actually pissed off on that but still i was like you know going on all these conferences and uh, you know slowly slowly people started to show up in my life and i'll tell you that the coaches that i hired and my business partner along the way was really the people who who helped me a lot with this stuff there's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher thanks all for tuning in to dream catchers where we make things happen dream catchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve we are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey everybody and welcome to the Dream Catchers podcast. I'm your host Jerome and I've got the pleasure of having Pancham Gupta with me today. He's coming in from the great state of New York. How are things up there? Is it still snowing and all that? No, sir. Thank you for having me. It's bright and sunny here. Yesterday was awesome. We were out without jackets. It was just amazing. So it's getting it's that time of the year when things are getting to open up and it's uh, you know we, we, days are going to get longer and it's going to be so much fun. Now, I feel guilty cuz I can't remember who connected us. I think it might have been Maurice Philogene, not completely sure. Yes. But you it was Mo, right? So you hop on a plane, you you're flying down to Raleigh. You're like, "Jerome, I'm going to be there. I'll be driving from Raleigh to Charlotte tonight. Do you want to hang out?" And I'm like, "What in the world?" Right? So one phone call, and this is the power of a referral and having a great network. We we meet at Panera Bread. We spend a great time just having a wonderful conversation about the investing environment, the country where we're going, just making a deep inroads and then connecting you with a few other people and I mean, I just want to keep the ball rolling, man. So grateful for you to spend some time with us on the podcast today. One thing that I would really like is for you to let the listeners know how they can get in contact with you because I don't want them to have to wait all the way till the end to know how to get in contact. Absolutely they can reach me on LinkedIn I'm there or Facebook or they can email me at p@thegoldcollarinvestor.com. That's sophisticatedgoldcollar.com. Guys, that's going to be in the show notes. So drop down and you'll be able to check that out. Okay. So, if I'm not mistaken, you're an engineer like me, but you're also a corporate America dropout. So so give us the back row. Like let's dive into the first level of the red pill which is self-image. Like what was your life like before leaving the matrix and then tell us a little bit about what it looks like today sure i i feel like i've been part of multiple matrices you know i i was born and brought up in india where you know i did my undergrad and you know i was there and then in 2003 i actually came to us to do my masters degree you know and idea at that time was that i would get the masters degree graduate get some work experience here in the western part of the world and then go back to india that's where i would 
you know, start something on my own. And, you know, I spent a couple of years here in 2009 and 10, we were like in 2009, we were ready. Like I got married in 2008. We were ready to move back. We actually sold all of our furniture and uh, literally there was a mattress in the apartment. Okay. And we find out that, you know, we're expecting a baby, our firstborn. And, you know, it's hard to move places, you know, houses when you're expecting, you know, let alone the country. So we decided, you know what, we'll stay here for some some time and then we'll decide. And guess what? We decided to stay here forever and, you know, make this country as our home. And in 2011 or so, when we decided this, I just decided to kind of in, start investing in this country. And, you know, I read that purple book that everyone in the world probably has read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Then I read the cash flow quadrant and learned that, you know, how on the left side of the quadrant, people make, you know, there are 90% of the people, but they control 10% of the wealth. And on the right side, there are 10% of the people and they control 90% of the wealth. That was not, that didn't do it for me. What did for me was that people on the left side work for money, but people on the right side, they let their money work for them. So that's when I decided that, you know what, I want to be on the right side and started investing. Uh, you know, started as a hobby, slowly it became, uh, you know, addiction, the good one for me. And then it became a passion at some point. And then I decided to kind of get out of the matrix, you know, so that's the long and short of it. Wow. And so, I mean, did you enjoy your time there? Like, were you having a rewarding and fulfilling career? And then what like happened that called you out of that certainty to go do something a little more contrarian? Absolutely. See, uh, I actually had a great career, to be honest. Like I was constantly getting promotions. I even let go of a couple of them because, you know, I was focusing on my business at that point. The, you know, I, I actually like computer science. I enjoyed being an engineer and actually, you know, being an engineer, we solve problems, right? We always, always like to solve problems. And, you know, I, I was doing that and I was enjoying, but it was not fulfilling enough for me because every single day I had a one and a half hour commute each way. So total three hours every day. And I used to take, uh, railroad which is long island railroad that's where i live uh, you know on long island new york to into the city and every single day i would ask myself am i going to do this at the age of 50 years the answer was no right and the then i would ask the next question would be naturally why am i doing it today right why am i doing it this second okay so i would ask myself this question and it was the answer to that was like, no, I don't want to do this. And so that's how, you know, I kind of, even though I had a very good career to answer your question, still, it did not feel fulfilling enough. And it was not giving me the freedom of time that I wanted that I was like craving for because I was leaving home at 730 in the morning, reaching back at 738. And, you know, by the time I used to leave, my son was my kids were waking up by the time I used to come back, they were going back to bed. So, you know, so time, freedom of time, freedom of money and location, like I actually craved for all of that. And obviously going back to the cash flow quadrant, uh, it was not solving any of my goals. So I, you know, decided that I wanted to kind of jump from that career and kind of create something on my own. Whoa. 
You said a lot there, man. So you were asking what I do it at 50. Then what I, why am I doing it now? Like right, right this second. And I remember I had that same conversation with myself, but it wasn't about the commute. It was about growing my hair, right? <laughs> kind of taboo. It's like, I told my mentor that I wanted to grow dreads and he was like, yeah, I was thinking about doing it after I retire. And I was like, well, wait, why do I have to wait until after I retire in order to grow my hair? And so I started right then. And, you know, over 10 years later, we still have it. So we're still rocking it out, man. So when you finally left corporate, was it the first time that you thought about doing it? Was the first time that you felt called? Did you do it immediately or did you deny it a few times before you actually walked out? No, I think I denied it since I was since I came to this country, to be honest. Like I always wanted to start something on my own, right? Like back in India. But, you know, I came here through H-1B visa. I don't know if you know what that is, but there is a long process for us to kind of get green card and the citizenship in this country. So I had to draw it out in first five, six, seven years, I couldn't just quit my job because that would lose the status here. So it's only in 2011 or 12, I actually got the you know green card. And that's when I actually could legally do something on my own outside of my job. So that thought was always there. But by that time, I had kids, I bought a house. And it was like, you know, you kind of get entrenched like into this golden handcuffs mentality. And you feel like, oh, you're getting too comfortable. And then you start questioning yourself. Oh, you're making so much money. There's so many good benefits. So why would you leave all of that? And, you know, when I was quitting, uh, actually, let's rewind uh, a little bit. So in 2012, when I started investing, it was a hobby. Slowly, I grew that portfolio into five different states, small properties, duplexes, triplexes. And it got to a point where I was spending a lot of time. And, uh, you know, all of these things happened during the work week. And I was spending a lot of time at work doing this stuff during lunchtime, maybe after, you know, after work. So it was getting a little crazy. And I decided, you know what? I'm so passionate about it. I sometimes would uh, not sleep whole night researching deals. I just want to make this my full-time career and I just want to scale this up. The I didn't know how I would do it, but I had that thought in my mind. And, you know, when I used to talk to my wife and talk to my parents about quitting the job, everyone was like, why? Why do you want to do this? It's such a great career. You actually came to US to do just that. And now you want to quit. You know, you're making good salary, good benefits. What about this? What about that? And I always used to question, what if it works? You know, like, what if I quit and it does work? And you guys are talking about what if it doesn't work? But it was still very hard. And I used to question myself. So I actually hired a coach. My first call with that coach was that, please, help me quit my job, like get out of, get me out of my own head. And um, so that's what he did. And when I actually went to my wife, it's a funny story there. For the very first time, I told her that, you know what, I'm going to hire a coach to help me quit my job. And she was like, what? You want to hire a coach to help you how not to make money? I'm like, Yes. And, uh, and, uh, you know, she was like, okay, you know what, go out and quit. Why do you need to hire a coach for that and pay someone to do that? I'm like, you know, I wish that it was so easy. But, you know, so anyway, the long story short is I had that coach and I eventually quit 
my job it wasn't easy like you were saying that it was not like a flip of a switch it was a long drawn out process where i had to tell myself that really condition my mind all that programming that i had to kind of unwind that and get out of the matrix wow 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 okay we're getting into it now so you got the coach so that you can handle that transition because there's so much that most people don't actually understand or know when they're making the transition and so this perfectly leads us into level 2 of the matrix which is relationships so who showed up to help you make this transition who helped out who helped you along the way pancho this is a, such an amazing question i'll tell you jerome that you know so there is a saying i've read many many mindset books and personal development books that you know if you want something bad enough like things will start happening for you people will show up in your life right so because of all of this that i was doing i started going to conferences i was listening to a lot of podcasts i would just you know spend my vacation more on conferences than on actual vacations and my wife was actually pissed off on that but still i was like you know going on all these conferences and uh, you know slowly slowly people started to show up in my life and i'll tell you that the coaches that i hired and my business partner along the way were really the people who who helped me a lot with this stuff and you know there are people like i i realized as an engineer that we have this i i, I would call that problem of analysis paralysis like we want to do everything right and you know sometimes we analyze something to until we get paralyzed and not take a decision right so what my my biggest lesson along this journey was that it doesn't matter whether you can figure it out or not as an engineer your ego comes in the way and you actually can figure it out but it may take you 10 20 30 years to do it so why not find a person who has done it and then use their help to actually you know learn from their mistakes and do what you want to do in much quicker time compress the time frames so i actually hired a lot of coaches to to along the way i had a coach for the mindset that we talked about i actually hired a coach for the multifamily business i when i started a podcast i hired a coach for that then i wanted to write a book i had a coach for that you know so like for me like now if i want to do something new i actually first find who has done it and who's done it really well and actually is going out and teaching people how to do it so 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 that i can compress my time frame from whatever 10 years to 5 years to 3 or 2 whatever it may be and you know so that's what i would say like the, really the coaches and the you know my family my wife like all of these people along the way helped me wow 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 so how did you find the coach i mean you gave me the criteria that you used in order to select them but how did you actually find the person that was doing it at a high level and te- being willing to teach other people how to do it so there is a process that i followed which was working for me like i first clearly defined exactly what i want from this coach right so whatever that is so for example the mindset coach i actually defined that i want to hire that coach to help me quit right and then i started searching for that person and i went to this one conference and uh you know there was this coach uh, trevor and i actually spoke to him then i had a call with him then i spoke to a lot of his students got references and felt that you know what he would be the right person to help me with that so it was just going to the conference and talking to him and for that 
particular job, I only spoke to one coach and I actually hired him. For these multifamily, it was a completely different thing. I actually spoke to pretty much every single coach or their team that were prominent at that time and they were active. And then I defined exactly what I want from that coach. What are the things that are important for me? And then try to match it. And that's how I figured out for the uh, multifamily coach. When I had the podcast coach, it's the same thing. You know, I just looked at a bunch of people and I decided, okay, what is more important to me? And can this person help me with that? And that's what I did. So it's really no cookie cutter answer uh, there. It's just that uh, how people showed up in my life and, you know, how I went about like, you know, talking to them or, you know, finding out who would be the best person for that job. Wow. Okay. 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 So it's kind of trial and error. There's not one way to do it. It's interesting that you only talk to one coach because I've got a pretty good understanding of what he charges and it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. So that, that's pretty cool. And yeah, but, it looks like- one thing I would say there, Jerome, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not cheap. And the way I think about that is the, inv- you know, rather than thinking of that as an expense, I think of that as a, as an investment. And I'll tell you for all the coaches, and it's very hard mindset to get around all the coaches, what I have paid them versus what I have gotten out of them is probably at this point, 5x, 10x, and also quicker. So the cost of opportunity cost of time I would have lost versus, uh, you know, doing it and paying them, uh, investing whatever I wanted to get had been had paid off much, much quicker and more than what I paid. So that part is key. It is an investment. But here's the part that I think most people get when they're looking at coaches, like paying for the coach only gets you access to the strategy. You still have to do the work. Exactly. Exactly. So like a lot of, I get lost so many calls, Jerome on this, like, Oh, what do you think about this coach or that coach? I'm like, you know what? None of that matters. Like if the coach generally speaking at a high level is good, if he's not a you know, fraudster or, you know, he's not taking your money away or, you know, if he's a genuine coach, then it really depends on you, what you want to get out. And really, you know, same coach can, have multiple students and one student come out may have very good experience and a lot of success versus the other one who may say that, you know what, this coach didn't help me with anything. So it's really like on the person who is, who is, who's getting the coaching, like how much time and energy and, uh, you know, the thing they spend on getting the value. Now I have heard a lot of people talk about coaches who miss meetings and some other stuff. And I don't think anybody should have that experience, especially when you're not talking about the numbers we're talking about. But for those folks who, again, think they're just buying a result, I, I can assure you that that's not what's happening when you're getting a coach. The coach is there to keep you accountable and kind of help you guide you along the journey. Well, not kind of guide you along the journey. They're going on the journey with you, I hope, more often than not. Okay, so the coaches showed up. You got three. One for mindset, one for actual investing, and another for your podcast. And so let's talk about the gold collar investor. I I know there's some deep meaning behind that. So break that down for us because you talked about the golden handcuffs earlier. Sure. So the you know how we have blue collar jobs, then we have white collar jobs. You know, I 
I thought of the job that I was doing and all the people that I wanted to really teach and educate who are the engineers, high-paid professionals in the tech industry, you know, working for Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Googles of the world, and they're making a lot of money. So I call those jobs as gold collar jobs, you know, or, you know, like instead of white collar, like gold collar workers, those are gold collar workers. And so I thought of them as the investors. So that's where the game, the name came from, the gold collar investor, person who's making a lot of money in their W2 and they like it, what they're doing. And they want to invest and diversify outside of Wall Street, just that they just don't know how. And so the show was created for them to kind of teach them about the personal finance, not just, you know, investing in multifamily. Like I talk about many, many different asset class from, you know, we talk about mindset, we talk about asset protection, life insurance, you name it, like, you know, very, very wide variety of things. Nice, nice, nice. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. And so I, I love it. It's a great spin on something that's usually, I don't know, looked down upon. I, I think looking outside of your day job to get another income stream is super important. And just sending that money to Wall Street probably isn't the best alternative all the time. So this is beautiful. All right. So you make the transition. And, and the big question that we have around this is like, when did you know that you had to keep going? This is the red pill moment. So I had to keep going. This is after quitting or this is just before quitting? After. After. Once you're in, like there's people who come out. I say they come out of the jungle, go into the desert, and then they go back into the jungle because the desert sun is too hot. Yeah. So, you know, I actually never thought of it this way that I had to keep going. I was just like, I'm quitting and this is it. And I have to make this uh, successful. But I'll tell you what happened to me right before I was about to quit. And that actually really helped me even after quitting. So there was this manager of mine, her name was Melissa, who was at the company when I joined the company. And when I left, and like, which was 14 years later, you know, she had been in the company and she became really successful. She became the head of the, the whole department. She was managing like 1,500 people. And she was so dedicated that she would spend nights, weekends, and she was working all the time. And I quit my job in July. And in April, I was really close to her. And in April, she was like 43, 44. She was having a work lunch. Okay, just regular lunch on one work day. And she just collapsed while having lunch at the restaurant. And, you know, two days later, she passed away. She had a nine year old, nine or 10 year old kid and, you know, just one kid. And so that actually impacted the entire company so much. And it had a huge impact on me. Like I was about to quit. And, but that story really made a, such a huge impression on me that I was like, you know what, doesn't matter what happens. Like, you know, you want to do what life is short. Why spend in doing things that you don't enjoy? Make sure you are always having fun in doing what you're doing. And as soon as you stop having fun, 
stop doing that thing whatever that is so so that kind of thing keeps me going and you know i enjoy i love absolutely love what i do right now and it doesn't even feel like work sometimes i overdo it and my wife reminds me that hey this is weekend so let's not do work you know so yeah that's the thing that keeps me going that just pursuing the passion and really making it happen every day wow wow so you decided that your life was more important than the job it sounds like yeah is that is that is that right I and mean, that's that's one way to put it yes uh, you know basically just life is short do what you want to do not like you know things that you want to do not that you have to do so got it okay okay so what were some of the challenges that you had to face along the way i mean i don't know if everything went perfectly as planned for you but they didn't for me just going to hear a couple of those challenges so that people know that you know it's not all unicorns and rainbows when you make a decision like this No absolutely man like there is it's not a straight line right it's like it just it's a, it's a jigsaw puzzle so the challenge is you know right when i quit we closed our biggest deal and then covid happened so imagine uh, you're quitting you want to expand your business and then suddenly covid happens we released our deal in the middle of march which is exactly one year, one year ago and dow had the biggest crash in the history of dow that week so you know covid was a huge challenge i would say in the journey that we had to overcome get the mindset around my wife my parents they all started talking oh you know what what if you didn't quit you would still be working from home now you don't have to go to work and you could have you know just set up the business by staying home and still getting the paycheck and still working on the business i'm like yeah that's true but you know i would not be able to really spend and justify that you know my mind wouldn't allow me like my my conscious that to to you know keep doing that that way so anyway it was like a mindset struggle i would say that you know to get over covid and uh, there was a slow down and you know we had one deal where we had actual impact because of covid so just setting it up and getting it back on track was a huge challenge and how did you get it back on track well we were working a lot we were traveling during the pandemic when there were a lot of restrictions especially in new york and uh, you know going to uh, different places and making sure that things are still running even though we were in the middle of pandemic if you really remember last summer there was a lot of fear uh, about this and we were still traveling so you know just making it happen got it so friends out of all of this stuff what's been your worst fear in the process worst fear uh, i would say has been that uh, which was even before i quit and after i quit like what if uh, you know i saved enough i was not i'm not making enough that i was making in the job i still don't because i was making a lot of money there and my fear has always been that oh what if i run out of money right that save the savings that i i had and uh, you know that fear is not really a fear that i keep thinking it just uh, you know it hit me when when the covid initially happened but since then you know that has faded away 
uh, again. And, you know, that was my worst fear, to be honest. Like, you know, I have this conviction of like making things happen and making sure uh, that, you know, no matter what the circumstances will we'll keep moving forward, keep improving and keep growing. Got it. And so did you do anything? Was there an event that helped you break through that? It's interesting. You said, I still don't. And that part is really meaningful. You don't have to make as much money, at least as it shows top line when you're outside, especially if you're investing in real estate, because you get taxed way differently than you do when you have a job. I mean, is that a fair statement? Do you think you have a big difference in quality of life because you made the change? Absolutely. There is no question whatsoever about that. Like, I mean, I would, the only regret I have is that why didn't I do it sooner? Right. So that's the only regret. And yeah, no, absolutely. There is uh, definitely you're and you're right about that. Like, I, you know, we are getting taxed very differently because I'm investing full time in real estate professional and investing in real estate. So it's not about how much I'm making. It's how much I'm keeping. So I keep still lower than what I was keeping before. But it is, you know, it is good enough for me to enjoy and, you know, keep growing. For sure. But the amount of time that you got back, I mean, it's at least three hours a day, 15 hours a week, six times. I mean, let me do this three times. Now, how many work days are there in a year? I can't do that much. Well, I'll just call it 15 hours a week, minimum that you get back in your life. And I don't know how much that's worth, but I think it's worth a lot. No, not only that, like I was working there also, right? So three hours was just commute and then nine hours of work. So 12 hours a day, I was get, I got back all of it. That's outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> That's outstanding. Okay. So was there a point when everything was on the line? Did you have a rock bottom? No, I, I would say that I, for me, it was not like really the lock, rock bottom. I can tell you the story on the day I actually went to my boss and told him that I want to quit. And, you know, I would spend enough time to set the teams up, making sure it's a smooth transition. I don't care about how long I have to stay to help him transition out, but I do want to quit. And you know what he told me? It was like, he asked me exactly what I want to do. I told him everything, right? And he told me, why don't you stay? He will talk to the legal and, you know, keep doing what you're doing and do this thing on the side. And I was like, Oh, so, you know, it was not something that where everything was on the line, but I would say that that did really give me second thoughts that, oh, you know what? I've been offered this position and also at the same time, I can pursue my passion. Let me do this until I stabilize the other side. But I decided, no, you know, that won't be fair to the investors, to the business, to myself, to the family. So I I decided, no, I, I would still quit. And I did. And so were you in communication with your coach while you were going through this process? Or did you hire the coach after you got through all those negotiations? No, it was before. Yeah. So I was through, uh, I was talking to him. Yes. For sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So you get out, you fight through, they try to pull you back in by talking to legal, et cetera, et cetera. And the reward is getting at least 12 hours a day back where you get to decide what happens with that time. I think that's outstanding. What is there anything else that's a reward for going on this arduous journey? Freedom, man, freedom, pursuing my passion full time, freedom of time, freedom of, 
you know, financial freedom, location freedom. You asked me about New York when we started and I absolutely love the weather today. But sometimes it's not always this great, you know, especially in winters. So we are actually looking for a potential move. Uh, So that's what I call like freedom of location, right? Uh, So all of that has been the reward and spending time with the family and the kids has been blessing. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And so what's the biggest difference? We're moving to significance now. What's the biggest difference between the way you used to think about life in the world and today in your new found freedom? What I've realized and, you know, I, I've read so many personal development books and there, here's the gist of it, right? You have to constantly learn, constantly grow as a person and, you know, make the world better place, be a good father, be a good husband in my case, and, you know, uh, you know, be a good business partner and, you know, uh, and keep growing our business and keep growing as a person and contribute to the community however way I can. So that's, one thing that I, you know, I I always think about and how can I make myself better person than the person I was yesterday. That's beautiful. Fanchon, what are you most grateful for? Freedom, man. I But I'll tell you that what I'm most grateful for is the abundant opportunities that exist out there. There is every, there, there is enough for everyone. And I believe that you know, I'm grateful for all the opportunities, grateful for my family and the kids, you know, so I do this grateful practice every day in the morning. And every day I have something else on the, on the, on, I write something else today. Actually, I remember I wrote, I'm grateful for a really good night's sleep that I got last night and, you know, grateful for the nice, beautiful day here. So, you know, like, yeah, grateful for the, abundant opportunities that uh, you know that everyone has the fact that you could go on for about 15 or 20 seconds about the things you're grateful about shows that you actually do that practice most people struggle to figure out what they're grateful for but you're you're dead on spot on and i think everything comes from gratitude so uh, that abundance mindset that you have is not something that's common but it is common amongst those people who are living a a peak performance, apex performer life. So yeah, I'll tell you on grateful. I just started doing some new practice, which I'm still not fully like, it's not gone into my consciousness yet. So I read this book, The Secret, right? I I don't know if you've read it. There there is this one um, thing that, you know, one person, I forgot who, who said that, that they start thinking about all the things that they're grateful for when they open their eyes. Okay. I used to do it only when I, you know, used to sit down and write it for like five minutes. So I've started doing that, like, you know, saying thank you, thank you, thank you on different things. Like by the time I put my foot down on the ground, think about the things that, you know, for this new beautiful day and all the things that you you have and be thankful for. So, So I've started doing that very recently. Sometimes I forget, sometimes I do it. But I, I, I realize that the day as I do it, they are extremely good, much better days as opposed to when I don't. It makes a tremendous difference. I think you get to choose your state. I, I absolutely yeah. think you get to choose your state. And by setting the tempo that things are good, then you find more good things or you can look for things that aren't what you want. So 
You're doing the right thing, my brother. And The Secret is a great book. And I, I, I enjoyed the movie when it came out. I guess it was like a decade ago now. Yeah. So what dream were you most focused on catching next? I know you just closed that deal in Wilmington. What else you got cooking, man? So the, you know, we want to grow our company. That's definitely one thing that we're really, really focused on at this point. And, you know, so we have multiple deals that potentially may come down the line. So, which is again, part of growing the company, right? So that's one. And second that I really, that's more like a personal goal of mine is traveling the world, uh, which is, you know, with my family and with Corona, like, you know, we were booked for Spain when this happened and canceled all our tickets. So yeah, that's next that, you know, really travel. Got it. Got it. Got it. More travel with worlds opening back up. I just got back out from outside the country too. So worlds opening up, man, it's getting good. So this is my favorite question. And Uh sometimes people stumble on it, but I think you'll do a great job with it. What gift are you giving the world? So the gift that I'm giving the world, I can have multiple answers to this, but I'll tell you one tactical answer first, which is the educating people on personal finance. And I know you're doing a great job on that as well. So having this podcast, we discussed about it. And then second, the gift that I'm giving to the world, the way I think of it is that is, is me becoming a better person, becoming a better father, better husband, you know, better friend, business partner, all that, right? So that's the gift that I, I, I think of that I'm giving to the world, really making it a better place by being a better person. Wonderful, wonderful. And so, you know, Pedro, I, I think you are a gift to the world. I certainly enjoy it every time we get the opportunity to engage. I, I dropped in on your presentation at Multifamily Investor Nation, saw you talk about building a fund and some of the other things. And so I was like, man, there's so many different levels to this guy. I got to stay close and make sure that I, I, I make a connection here because I know some amazing things are going to happen from it. And so as we wrap up, the final question that I always ask my guests is, what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our conversation? One thing I would say is that, I mentioned this before, but I'll give you an example, is that there are abundant opportunities out there for everyone. And there is something for everyone. And, you know, many engineers, especially, they want to see the entire path before they start walking. But I would tell them this, that if you're driving from New York to California, you don't see the entire road at night. You have the headlights on and the headlights only see next 200 feet. So you go the next 200 feet, then you see the following 200 feet and so on and so forth. So that's how the life is. You don't have to see the entire path before you actually take the plunge or whatever you want to do. So just do it. The next 200 feet will become clear as you go, you know, go towards the end of the first 200 feet. Wow. I love it. And I talk about this, but a little bit differently. I I call it solitary. So what's the next logical step, right? You got solitary, you move one card at a time, but it's always one, the next one step. You got an overall strategy. You know what the goal is. This That's phenomenal, man. You don't have to be able to see the whole thing. You just need to be going in the right direction. Patrick, this was a great episode, man. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. 
And I just can look forward to continuing to develop our relationship. And to the listeners, until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.